What is our goal in life as Catholics? It's to become perfect like God. That's our whole goal, to become perfect like God. And how is God perfect? Because it's really important to understand what we're trying to imitate, what we're trying to become in life. God is perfect in His love. He's perfect, absolute love. And we know that every time we look at a crucifix, right? Because a crucifix is the most perfect expression of who God is revealed in Jesus Christ. He's an absolute gratuitous gift for others. In the crucifix is revealed who God is and what perfect love looks like. I suffer so you can be healed. I die so that you can live. I lose so that you can win. It's a dying to self for the life of the other. And that's actually philosophically even what, what we say, what we mean when you say, I love you to someone. What you really mean is, I want you to live. To say, I love you means, I want you to live forever. And that's why to say, I hate you to someone is actually mean, I don't want you to even exist. I wish you were dead, in a sense. And the highest love there is, is the love that gets someone to heaven. Because that, to say, I love you, to get you to heaven means I want you to, to live forever, right? So the highest love that we can ever show is what will get other people to heaven. And that's what we see in Jesus Christ in the cross, right? Because on the cross, Jesus says, I love you so much that I will suffer even unto death so that you can be saved. And he offered us that kind of love when we were still lost in our sin. So it was a free gift of himself to those who were separated from him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that while we are still sinners, God sent his son to die for us. So that's the perfect love we want to strive for. A love that gets others to heaven, especially when they're not on the way. And as I was thinking about this, it made me want to talk about victim souls. And a victim soul is someone who offers themselves by their prayers and by their sacrifices for the salvation of those who are lost. So a victim soul is one who says like Christ, I want you to live forever in heaven and I'm willing to suffer even unto death in order to get you there. You know, it's it's very easy for, no, it's not easy, easier for a mother to suffer for her child because you love them so much. You'll do anything for them. It's harder when you don't know the people that you're suffering for. Victim souls offer themselves often for people they don't even know. They'll never even see the fruit of their sacrifices for the salvation of souls. And as I was thinking about this, victim souls, those who have really become perfect in their self-sacrifice for the salvation of others, I kept thinking about St. Jacinta Martel. Has anyone heard that name before? She's one of the three seers of Fatima, the smallest girl of them all. And I was thinking about her a lot this last week. And the day I sat down to write the homily for today, I got a text message that morning right after Mass. And it said, Happy Feast Day of St. Jacinta. I was like, what? And I looked in and I found out it was February 20th. It's the 100-year anniversary of her death. She died 100 years ago, um, February 20th, this week. Like, oh my gosh. And her body's still incorrupt. After she died, they they exhumed her from the grave. She never decomposed. So she has a very 
She's a very powerful story. She was canonized a saint just a few years ago, but she's the youngest saint in the history of the church to be canonized who wasn't a martyr. She died at nine years old. And I, to be honest, I hate talking about Jacinta. It's like the worst thing because it makes me feel so bad about myself. I realized just how holy this little girl was. And even as a priest at 32, I still have nothing to hold against her. So I won't be focusing. Mary, she was the youngest at the time of the apparitions of our Blessed Mother in Fatima. It was to Jacinta, Francisco, her big brother, yeah, and Lucia, who is 11. So six years old, nine years old, 11 years old. And I don't want to focus so much on, I've talked about Fatima before, but there's two ways to understand the Fatima message. When Mary appeared in 1917 in Portugal to warn the world about what was coming, you can look at her words and the words of the angel, but you can also look at the kids, what happened to them. So right now, I just want to focus on the children, their lives, especially through Jacinta. But I'll be taking everything I say from Lucia's diary. So when Mary appeared to them, she said, Jacinta and Francisco, you are soon going to die. They all wanted to go to heaven with her immediately when they saw her. And she said, I will take Jacinta and Francisco to heaven soon. But Lucia, you must stay to spread my word, to spread devotion to my immaculate heart and to spread this message. She said just a little longer. A little longer meant 90 more years. She didn't die till 2005. Um, so this is from her di- diary. What we find out about Jacinta from her is that Jacinta, from her youngest years, she was just like the cutest little girl. So everyone always wanted to be around her. She was kind of uh, spoiled by her parents just because she was so cute. That made her very sensitive and very spoiled. right? So she loved to play and to dance and to sing. But uh, Lucia talks about in here how she couldn't actually stand being around her much as her older cousin because everything had to be her way. She said, I sometimes found Jacinta's company quite disagreeable on account of her oversensitive temperament. The slightest quarrel which arose among the children when we were playing was enough to send her into the corner. And she'd only play with, a get, play with us again if she got to choose the game and her partners and the rules that we we're going to play by. So she's your very average, cute, spoiled little girl. Everything changed after the visions of Fatima. We see the most drastic change of character, most of all, in Jacinta. Mary began in her first apparition, 1917 in May 13th, by asking the children, victim souls, remember, those who offer themselves for the salvation of others. She says, are you willing to offer yourselves to God to bear all this suffering that he wills to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which God is offended and for the conversion of sinners? They all replied, yes, we are. And Lucia tells us that it was only after they were given three months later a vision of hell. It was the first secret. Mary allowed the three children, now she was seven years old, nine and 11, to see a vision of hell. And it so shocked them that Lucia said that Jacinta's character immediately changed. Before, all she could talk about was herself. She was very just kind of sensitive and selfish. And all she ever talked about after that was souls. She, and she became obsessed with the sacrifice to save them. Lucia writes, and this is, it was almost hard for me to like read what Lucia is writing. I wanted to edit it in some parts, but I'm just going to read it exactly as what she says because it's the truth. But as a priest, I'm telling you, it was hard for me to read. So I imagine it might be hard for some of you. 
but it's the truth. Lucia writes, the vision of hell filled Jacinta with horror to such a degree that every penance and mortification was as nothing in her eyes, if it could only prevent souls from going there. Jacinta often sat thoughtfully on the ground or on a rock and exclaimed, Oh, hell, hell, how sorry I am for the souls who go to hell and the people down there burning alive like wood in the fire. Then shuddering, she knelt down with her hands joined and recited the prayer that Our Lady had taught them. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us, save us from the fire of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most in need of your mercy. That's what we pray at the end of every decade of the rosary now. And I often wonder, why did Mary appear to children? Almost every apparition, she always appears to children to give them these messages. Why? I think it's because they don't rationalize it. As an adult, whatever is told to me, I always find some way of rationalizing and making sense of it in my own mind. Children, they're just so receptive, right? So it's like, oh, Mother of God appeared to us, told us souls are in danger, and if we offer ourselves in sacrifice, we can save them. Okay, then they just go for it. That became her life. So at the age of seven, she became, she started to become the perfect image of God's love. Total selfless sacrifice for the salvation of people she didn't even know. All right, so let's see what that looks like. Her sacrifices began very small, but began to increase with time. It's a funny story. Lucia's parents, they didn't believe her. No one almost believed her, but Lucia's parents were very strict. She was the oldest one. So they immediately were beating her and punishing her right when they first said that they saw Mary. And she says that Jacinta said this to her, if only my parents were like yours so that they would beat me too, then I'd have more sacrifices to offer to our Lord. And then she used to work out in the fields, pasturing the sheep for hours in August underneath the hot sun. And Lucia says that she refused to drink water. She'd have a water bottle and she'd give it away or she'd pour it out on the ground and she'd give her food away. And when she did drink, there was this really dirty pond where animals used to wash and that would be the only water that she would drink. And one time she said this to Lucia, our Lord must be pleased with our sacrifices because I'm so thirsty, so thirsty, yet I do not want to take a drink. I want to suffer for love of him and for the salvation of souls. She'd even fast many days, giving her food to children who were more poor than she was. And they even found a thick rope, like a scratchy rope that was used to tie uh, cows and whatnot. They cut it in three, and each of the children would wear it around their waist. And uh, Lucia said that even her sometimes would even have like blood stains on it. And when Mary appeared to them the next time, she goes, God is very pleased with your sacrifices, but don't wear the rope at nighttime because that's too much. And so, I mean, nothing was, they didn't say no to anything, basically. She'd wake up, she says, many times during the night in order to pray the Angelus and to pray the Rosary and to kiss the floor in reparation. Then she'd wake up even earlier in the morning to go to Mass before taking the sheep. And when Lucia asked her why, why are you going to Mass every morning? And she said, I'm going to Mass during the week in reparation for the souls who don't go on Sundays, right? So her whole mentality was, how can I help? And such a beautiful story one time, because they were given the Eucharist from an angel. She just seemed to receive her first Holy Communion, the body and blood of Christ, from an angel. 
And they used to call him the hidden Jesus. I want, where is the hidden Jesus? And one time her brother Francisco came out of mass and she was in the fields and she couldn't go to mass that morning. And she asked him where he was. He goes, I just got back from mass. She goes, come here, come here. And she put her head onto his chest. And she goes, I want to I wanna put my head to the hidden Jesus. He's still on your heart, I'm sure. So their faith was just so pure, so deep. And one of the hardest sacrifices she had to go through next was, just as Mary said, both of them would die soon. Lucia would live for a great deal longer. Well, within a year of the apparitions ending in 1917, um, Francisco and her both came down with the Spanish influenza. And so she had to watch her big brother die. Um, and then she herself was getting sicker and sicker in bed. But she told Lucia, I feel so much pain in my chest. I do not say anything to my mother, though. I want to suffer for our Lord in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, for the Holy Father, and for the conversion of poor sinners. Then she added, Our Lady asked me if I wanted to convert more sinners. I told her I did. She told me that I would be going to a hospital and would suffer a lot there. She said that I would have to be there all alone. For me, this is the hardest part, but it's all right. I suffer for the conversion of sinners. And what happened there was she, the, her family thought that she was be sent away to Lisbon, to this hospital miles away where they couldn't be with her, to get better, to be healed. Mary appeared to her beforehand and said, not only will you not be healed, but you will die alone there. But if you accept this, it will bring many more souls back to me. And so all her parents, they sent her away thinking she'd be okay. And she knew that it was for good. Not even that, when she got there, her body um, was so frail, she's nine years old, uh, the, the flu had infected two of her ribs. And so the doctor had to remove two of her ribs, but she was so weak and frail that they couldn't give her any anesthesia whatsoever, put her to sleep. The doctor was an atheist who was working on her, and he was almost afraid to carry out the, the operation. And she, he said that she looked at him and she said these words, We must all suffer if we are to go to heaven. I offer my suffering for sinners. He converted very soon after that. He said he never saw someone so strong underneath his knife before. On February 20th, 1920, she died just as Our Lady predicted, alone and unattended in a hospital room. And she offered all for the salvation of souls. So Jacinta, perhaps the most selfless little girl to ever live, at seven years old, nine years old, became this perfect expression of God's love. I love others so much that I'm willing to suffer, even unto death, if it can get them to heaven. And that's what it means to be a victim soul. And that's our goal in life, is to try to become perfect in love, to do everything we can, to suffer whatever we can, to help other people get to heaven. And that's why I just like to say one word on Lent. Lent is beginning on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. And if any of you are like me, as I was for the first 20 years of my life, Lent meant two things to me. 
One, no soda and sweets. It's a really hard sacrifice, I know, but because of that, I'm a priest today. No, it was that, and it meant having to give up an hour on Friday nights to go to Stations of the Cross. That's, that's all Lent meant. It had no real significance to my life. Um, Lent is a time when we ourselves can suffer. We can offer our fasting, our prayers, in order to save souls, right? And just so you know, the way that Lent was always carried out for the first 1900 years of the church, the kids know this because I was talking about it before, no one ate anything until three o'clock every single day. That's when they'd have breakfast. That's where the word we get break fast from, break fast, breakfast. No one ate anything till three o'clock every single day. And after that, they could only eat meat, I'm sorry, no meat, no dairy, and no eggs. So every Catholic out there would only be eating from three o'clock on every day during Lent. And it was bread, vegetables, and if you had enough money, you could get some fish. That was the norm. So my only invitation to all of us in light of someone like Saint Jacinta, who understood the weight of salvation, to take so much on herself, make Lent real this year. Make it palpable. Make it a sacrifice. That's how we become perfect in love, by offering ourselves for the salvation of souls. And remember, the first thing that Mary did when she came to them, it was only an invitation. Are you willing to offer yourself for the salvation of souls? And that's what Holy Mother Church asks us every single Lent. Are you willing to also offer yourself for the salvation of souls? your sufferings, your penances, your prayers, so that showing your love, you can get many souls into heaven. That's how we become perfect like God. Saint Jacinta, pray for us.